Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Today, we're going to disagree. Yeah. But in a good way. Yeah. We're going to talk about disagreements. We're going to talk about arguments. We're going to talk about conflict. And we're going to answer your questions with today's guest. Our friend TK Coleman is in the studio today. What is happening, Welcome. Guys. Thanks for being here, man. You can check out his podcast. It's called Office Hours. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Now, the, re- the reason that I wanted to talk about disagreements with TK Coleman. <laughs> by the way, I think this is your third time on the podcast. The first third time guest. Congratulations. Awesome. It's kind of like a three-peat. Like, <laughs> I'm like the Michael Jordan of the minimalist. <laughs> You're saying like the fourth best of all time? <laughs> oh, oh, I disagree. We're going to have to talk about that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, there we go. That's a, a, a disagreement. The thing that I like about uh, disagreeing with TK or just having conversations with TK is we're able to disagree in a sort of productive way way and uh, we were sitting down for coffee the other day and and you had mentioned this book the metaphors we live by Mm. and how quite often we the reasons that we disagree is we're disagreeing wrong we're sort Mm. of using language that instantly sets us up for failure and for combat in a way can you talk Mm. a little bit about that yeah so there's a really interesting book by george lakoff called metaphors we live by and the premise of the book is that the language that we use to describe experience is not neutral, that our language actually shapes and structures the experience. So we not only reveal how we think when we talk, but we also affect the way reality shows up for us. Um, So one example of this is what he calls the argument as war metaphor. So if you listen to the language that we use when we talk about arguments, it's all battle based. So things like she shot down my arguments. Mm. He defended his position rigorously. Mm-hmm. I conceded her point. I felt you attacked. Know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um and so a lot of our language, you know, it, you know, is based on war. And then Lakoff invites us to consider what do arguments feel like when you're having one? Mm. They feel like a struggle for power, right? Yeah. And 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 that's related to the way that we use the language. And so He invites us to consider alternative metaphors. What if we looked at arguments as a kind of dance or as a kind of game or as a kind of um, uh, form of musical composition? Mm. How how might we experience them if we challenged ourselves to describe them with a different linguistic apparatus, so to speak? So now, instead of saying, she's attacking my position, she's engaging my position, Mm, right? He's inviting me to a conversation like you know you know what I mean like yeah. like like he's playing around with this idea with me we're collaborating on this discussion and, and and you begin to feel different emotions around it and more importantly than just the psychological experience it opens up new vistas of possibility for where the discussion can go and how we can learn I think that's a very powerful idea yeah I think this is awesome man because disagreements I think that's kind of what makes the world go around I mean we all have different preferences we all have different beliefs some of us have you know different values but it's like without that 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 variety it would be a very vanilla life it's like um it's funny i was raised to believe that one day 
God was going to come down and just turn the earth into this paradise. And everyone would have the same beliefs. Everyone would have the same exact thoughts. They would all do the same exact thing. And, you know, ostensibly or at first glance, like that sounds really awesome. Mm -hmm. But when I really think about it at its terminus, it's like, that's not very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no variety. So it's, it's just, it's not very exciting in a way. Yeah. It's bland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're inviting you to answer some questions with us today about uh, disagree, disagreements. So our first question is from Michelle in Washington, D.C. I have several friends that own extremely large homes in a very expensive part of town. We're talking around 6,000 square feet each. I have many things in common with these friends, and I value our friendship and time together. The one thing I don't have in common with these friends is a desire to live in a huge house. As a child, I grew up in one, but I now live in an apartment with a bedroom that most would consider extremely small. I absolutely love my tiny, cozy space. My question is, when my friends are showing me around their home, the size of their closets, the amount of bathrooms they have, and how their previous home could fit in their master bathroom alone, how do I respond with the entire, when the entire time I'm thinking how ridiculous it all is? The staff they have to hire, the amount they pay in utilities, the long walks to get from floor to floor is fine with them, but I feel as though my response of wow and how lovely is conveying how great I think it is, the size of everything, and that I'm in, that I'm also wanting a huge home one day. How do I respond during these situations? Some of these friends I'm still developing a deeper friendship with, and I don't want to come off like I'm making excuses for not having what they have when I talk about minimalism and my love for small homes and owning few possessions. You know, this is a type of disagreement, even though it's, yeah. a, it's like a subtle disagreement. Mm. It, she doesn't want to come off as disingenuous, which I can really appreciate that because you don't want to say, oh, I really like those bright yellow shoes you're wearing, Ryan, if I actually don't like them. I, I think even those types of white lies are... Um, I think they're dangerous and it becomes yeah. a slippery slope. Well, yeah. it's interesting. Like with friends, we want to, what do we want from our friends, man? We want to support them. We want to be supported. Uh -huh. So when we find ourselves in these situations, when someone's, you know, talking really well about something that you maybe don't have a preference for, it's like, we want to support our friends. So we get caught up in these little lies where we're like, oh yeah, I like that too. That's my favorite movie too. Right. So, so yeah, I, uh, Michelle definitely doesn't want to lie. Right. She definitely doesn't want to be disingenuous. But also, she is not, she's making a judgment. She, she, in fact, she uses language like ridiculous. Mm. And that's a type of judgment. And that is not being supportive when you're judging the people that you care about most. Now, TK, what, what do you think about this? You go to someone's house and maybe you, you, you <laughs> are, well, less impressed. Now, she, in fact, used this word like, I'm, I'm, not impressed by their homes, but uh, truth be told, a giant house is impressive by definition. It's just a different de definition of the word. Like it has impressed upon you some sort of imagery. And so you can say, you know, this is really impressive. And that's not for you. You don't have to say, well, but this isn't for me. Yeah, yeah. When you get into situations like this, I think what you're talking about with language is so important right now. Mm. So what would you talk to Michelle about? Uh, Michelle, whenever I hear that word, Michelle, I go into <laughs> Obama mode. Uh, well, what you want to do is, uh, no. <laughs> um, I can only say the word Michelle like Obama, and then I lose it for the rest of the sentence. So, my wife's name is Michelle, so that has yeah, to be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, it's better than my impersonations. They just like end up sounding like weird, vaguely Eastern European. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no matter what, Barack Unless... Obama is from like Slovenia, right? <laughs> 
So let's talk to awesome. Michelle about about her uh, yeah. accidental judgment of of these people's houses. Yeah. So if I'm hearing her correctly, it sounds like the tension is coming not merely from a place of judgment, but from a place of wanting to show appreciation and support for her friends, yes. right? If it was just a matter of judgment, she could be free to say, I think this is ridiculous and be on her way. But these are friends. These are people that she cares about mm-hmm. and she wants to be supportive. And I think there are more ways to support people than giving words of affirmation or extending compliments. One of the best ways we can support people is to simply be curious about what inspires them. To, to inquire into the reasons why they appreciate things that are different from the things we appreciate. So if I'm at your place, and let's say you have a really big place or um, a, a bunch of trinkets or whatever that don't impress me. I have both, I have a giant house with a <laughs> right. lot of trinkets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to force myself in order to be your friend to say, wow, man, this is really cool. Here, here's a better example for you and I. I go into your house and you have a LeBron James poster, right? Uh, now, now, I'm gonna think <laughs> that's so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm gonna judge you. I'm gonna think that ought to be a Michael Jordan poster, right? Uh-huh. So there's no way I'm gonna lie and be like, oh, he's the greatest ever. I love that poster, right? Uh-huh. I'm kind of judging you. Yeah, it would be a but, John Stockton poster, but okay, <laughs> right, right. But but what I could do to be supportive as a friend is I can say, hey, man, LeBron James, huh? Is that your guy? Is that is that your man? Like like, like talk to me, you know? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I can ask you about it, and then you can say, well, yeah. So I'm from Ohio. He's from Ohio, and you know, I grew up really admiring his game, and blah 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 blah. And you can tell me all the things about him that inspires you. And now I can easily affirm that. I can easily affirm the part of you that's inspired by other people's greatness, right? Even if that's stimulated by something different for me. So don't force yourself to give compliments to things you don't appreciate. Instead, inquire into the reasons for why they appreciate them and support them in that way. You can can appreciate the fact, like, I appreciate the fact that Ryan likes to skateboard or Mm -hmm. snowboard. I can appreciate that and I can inquire about it. I think that's a great point Mm -hmm. without needing to, like, well, I need to do that myself as well. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's like when so when you walk in and you see that LeBron James poster, you have one or two options. You can either get defensive and be like, I can't believe Josh likes LeBron James better than whoever. But but yes, asking probing questions, that is the best way to get uh, to get someone to realize like, oh, my friend does care about my interests. My friend does care about my personal preferences, yeah. uh, asking them probing questions. So Michelle, you don't want to lie to your friends, but you do want to find some truths that you can tell them. And some of those truths are digging a little bit deeper or, you know, you can, if someone's really excited about their house, oh, this is my dream house. Yeah. Like that's not an attack on your tiny house. No, That's just saying, hey, your friend found a house that is their dream house. So a very genuine thing you could say is, I'm really glad that you have your dream house. I'm really happy for yeah. you. Show me more of your house. Yeah. So yeah, don't 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 come up with these little lies. Just try to look for the truths that you could tell your friends or ask your friends. And I think I think part yeah. of that is success, right? She is define success one way for her it's a tiny house that that's her version of success and i think it's great she's framed it that way she doesn't she's not taking someone else's temple and saying their success is how what i need to accomplish in order for me to be successful Mm -hmm. so also realizing that you both have sort of different frames of success and their version of success looks different from yours and Mm -hmm. guess what that adds that variety that ryan was talking about earlier because 
if they are successful, that doesn't make you any less successful. In fact, I think the opposite. If you surround yourself with people who are living their version of their dream, their their success, that enables you to be successful in your own way as long as you don't feel like they're they're judging you as well. And it doesn't sound like that's the problem here. Yeah, she she didn't right. bring that up at all. You just have different preferences and that's okay. I it's, think it's funny though, sometimes like I make this mistake when someone like someone will say to me, Hey, have you seen the movie Inception? Like I want to, like my instinct is to be like, yeah, I hated that movie, yeah. and I want to go on and on about how much I hated it. But yeah. it's like they're not asking for my opinion; they're trying to have a conversation about a yeah. movie. But if I allow myself to have those knee-jerk reactions, like I'm shutting down this interaction with a friend, uh, I might, being defensive myself, put them on the defense. Yeah. So just avoiding, just avoiding those knee-jerk reactions. Like, don't just think that when someone you know, shows you their home or they talk about a movie that they really care about your opinion. They just want to talk about a movie or talk about yeah. their home. Yes, you, you know, one common mistake I, I think we often make is assuming that by listening to you and fully hearing you out without protest uh -huh. that I'm conceding your point. Mm. And, and that's not necessarily the case, right? Absolutely. I can hear everything you have to say and go interesting or what makes you think that? And the fact that I'm not protesting or refuting you line by line doesn't mean I'm agreeing with you. Second thing, uh, Virginia Satir, the acclaimed family therapist, has a very wonderful book, only about 40 pages, called Making Contact. And it's all about cultivating intimacy, intimacy in relationships. And one of the things she says is that the most powerful form of support is the ability to make another human being feel heard and seen. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you can convey without having to agree with what it is they are listening to or looking at, right? Mm -hmm. So when you say, I love this house, to make you feel heard and seen is to look past what it is you love mm. and to seek to understand the heart that loves it. Mm. I don't care about what you love. I care about the heart that loves it. Man, tweet Explain that, that podcast, to Sean. Yeah. That's good. That is good. We'll put a link to all the books that TK mentions throughout this podcast in the show notes today. <laughs> uh, I would I would disagree with one thing. I wouldn't use that word love. You know, Ryan and I often try to distinguish enjoyment from love. And it's one thing I've been teaching my daughter lately. You know, Ella is five and she's finally starting to get it where mm. she doesn't say I love this toy anymore. She says I, I enjoy this toy and I love yeah. mom and, and and try to love people and use things is the thing that we often talk about now Michelle I want to send you a copy of our book essential where do I have it? Somewhere here. It's an essay collection with 150 different essays, and there's an entire chapter in here about redefining what it means to be successful. So podcast, Sean, if you could reach out to Michelle and send her a copy of Essential. If you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version, or we'll be happy to send you the book book version or the ebook version as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We are at The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. TK Coleman is at TK underscore Coleman on Twitter, and uh, you can tweet him there. And uh, We usually answer questions in this lightning round, TK. You, you may remember... Less than 140 character responses to folks, but not really. We, we just ramble on a little bit until we get something that's pithy. We can tie it up in a bow. Sean puts all of our minimal maxims in the show notes, and you can also find all of our minimal maxims in one place now, thanks to social Jessica Lynn Williams. She uh, puts them all at uh, minimalmaxims.com. Ryan, do we have a question here? We do. Our first question is from Kathy. What is the best way to agree to disagree, particularly when one party insists on being right. 
What do you think? What do you think, TK? That's a tough one. And this is usually how arguments continue to get blown out of proportion, right? Escalated, yeah. We, 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 if they can't agree to disagree, and it's like, I have to be right. I have to be right. Now, my pithy answer to this, and, and we can expand on this, is you can, al- you can be always right, or you can get along. Mm. Choose one. Mm. <laughs> and I, the, the person who, uh, even if you are always right, and you're rubbing that in your friends' faces... Uh, that is a problem, and I, I've I've experienced this personally. I've backed off quite a bit in my 30s, but I had to always be right. I had to win every argument. I had to walk away with one last dig. That's not particularly productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it, it's interesting. I, I think when we're in these kinds of situations, we significantly underestimate the power that we have to de-escalate these kinds of situations. So let's use the uh, analogy of fire. If a fire is burning, I can throw wood in that fire and that's gonna make it keep burning, right? Or I can just let it burn, right? And the fire will eventually die of its own accord. Mm. When you're having an argument with someone who insists on being right, and you insist on telling them that they're not right, what do you think is gonna be the outcome of that, right? That's never gonna end and you're never gonna achieve that goal of agreeing to disagree. On the other hand, what do you think happens when someone insists on being right and you listen to them and you ask a question like, hey, why is that so important to you? Like, what is it that makes you passionate about that belief? You know, how, how, do, you, how do you reconcile that belief with the fact that so many people disagree with you? How do, how do you deal with that? Like, like, how do you cope with that? Like, what, what are you doing in your life to, to, to implement that belief, mm-hmm. to act on that, to change the world in accordance with your point of view? It's amazing what happens when you let down the defenses and you just choose to be interested in a person, uh-huh. like the fight stops, right? Like it takes two to tango when it comes to a fight. It's like it's like tug of war. If you're pulling on the end of the rope, we can't have a good game of tug of war unless I'm pulling on the other end. Mm-hmm. If I drop my end, well, the game's over, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same way with an argument. The moment I drop my need to tell you that you're wrong, and I allow myself to be curious about who you are, how you're applying those ideas, what makes them important to you, you cease behaving like someone that's fighting for power because now you feel heard and now you're having fun and you're relaxing and you're telling me your point of view, Yeah, you know? I I think people just wanna be understood. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So if you can show someone that you understand where they're coming from, it's like I have, you know, had different discussions, arguments, disagreements, whatever you call it, and uh, it's I don't have to sit there and plant my foot. It's like just just a second ago you were like, oh, TK, I don't like to I don't like to use the word love because you know love uh, uh, we love people use things which I totally agree with. But TK, as my friend, like I'm not gonna judge you for using that word love, yeah. and I'm gonna support you to use that you know in your vernacular if that's what yeah. you choose to do. I'm not gonna like call you out on it every single time. Right. So 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 just I love you, man. <laughs> I love you too, man. <laughs> but 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 I, I guess uh, well here I'll give you my pithy answer. My pithy answer is this. Oh, Showing, yeah, I forgot. It's all right, man. But there was some good stuff in there. Podcast on will absolutely tweeze it out. My pithy answer is this: showing someone compassion is the best form of support. And again, that's all we want, man. We just want to be supported and we want to support back. We want to be understood. We want to show people that we understand and showing compassion. That's kind of letting go of that, the end of the rope. And it's also the opposite of judgment. Absolutely. When you said you just stop back and listen, that's not judging. Now you might, some judgments might automatically pop up in your mind. Like that's a crazy idea or whatever. But sometimes the judgment is just a mirror that reflects our own insecurities too. The other person might be right. Um, Who who was it? It was uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about the three different types of truth, right? There's the 
empirical truths, sort of fact-based truths, right? Then there's subjective truth, what's true for me. Like, I really like the color blue, and Ryan likes the color green or whatever. Um, or, and then there's political truths, which mm-hmm. just is, if you say something enough times, it becomes true, even <laughs> yeah. if it's not. God, that's yeah. so crazy. Like, so many forms of truth. <laughs> right. And and really what we're talking about here is many of these judgments, it's a subjective truth. And we, mm-hmm. we think of these things as 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 if they're empirical and, and, and they're immutable and, and they're just solidified. They're foundational truths. No, most of them are. It's just my own little judgments, my own little insecurities. My, that's how my brain is working. That's how all of our brains work, man. Like we just, we want to project. It's again, it's like with the movie Inception. It's like it frustrates me because it was such a good movie. It doesn't frustrate me, but like I think about it, I'm like, why was that movie? Like, why is everyone all about that movie? But it's like that is my uh, subjective or my uh, yeah, my, that is my subjective truth. It's my preference. Like that is that's 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 nothing that I should force on anyone else. Yeah. And if someone loves that movie, then I should be like, I'm really glad that you found enjoyment in that movie because I wish I did. Nah, <laughs> terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, screw those people who like Inception. <laughs> What's your pithy answer, man? Uh, no, I already gave it. It's, oh, uh, yeah. You can all you can be always right, or you can get along. Yeah. Choose one. What's That's our next good, question, man. Ryan? Our next one is from Teddy. Which is the most effective media to add value to people's lives? Is it a blog or YouTube? Yeah. So hmm. I, I I liked this question when it was an open ended question, and then Teddy finishes it with more specificity. Uh, with like as if you have this binary choice right. like well tk has a blog and uh, matt diavella has a youtube channel right. which one is is best right like what's better uh cnn or fox news <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah. and you're like well no actually i like the dayton daily news and and, and right. so it really depends on uh well here's my pithy answer for you binary thinking leads to grayscale rainbows yeah and and so you know what I think it really depends on what is appropriate for you. Uh, we talked to Matt Diavella about this a little bit. Uh, he is you're really popular on YouTube now. He's the guy who directed mm-hmm. our, our you, you know Matt you oh, yeah. you did his oh, podcast. Yeah. Um, he directed our documentary. We worked on it together, and he's he's making like a little miniature documentary every week on YouTube, and that is the best platform for him. It's the most appropriate one for him. Mm-hmm. For us, blogging is where we started, and it's it's still the thing that that we. Uh, that we use to convey most of our message now mm-hmm. but uh, there's another option here we're podcasting right now or what about making a documentary or writing a book what is the appropriate medium and tk i, I realized you've been you've been blogging a lot lately folks want to check that out tkcoleman.com so so for you that has been a way for you to express yourself but the it doesn't mean it's the only medium through which we need to communicate what are your thoughts yeah so i grew up in the church right and um I remember this one time someone uh, asked the pastor, they said, hey, so there's so many translations of the Bible. There's the King James, there's the NIV, there's the NRV. Mm-hmm. What's the best translation to get? And the pastor said, the one that you'll actually read. Right? So my answer to the question, hey, what's the best medium to use to get my message out there? I would say the one that actually brings you the most joy. Because we can, we can study statistics and we can study human behavior and we can say, hey, everyone seems to be hanging out on Instagram. But if you're miserable on Instagram or you're not enjoying that because writing makes you come more alive, then maybe you need to go where your energy is flowing. Mm -hmm. Don't start with where you think the audience is. Don't start with where you think people will respond. Start with what makes you come alive. Start with what fires you up and keeps you motivated. Favorite quote is by, um, oh shoot, 
Howard Thurman, mm-hmm. he says, ask not yourself what the world needs, but rather what makes you come alive, for that is what the world needs, people who have come alive. Same applies to the social media tools ah, you use. That's you know? good, man. Yeah. You know, what's, what's fascinating about this is we often feel compelled because, in fact, uh, Matt saw this at first. When he, he first started creating things on his own, he's like, well, I'm going to start a blog because that's what right. other people do. And I think that's great if that's what you want to do is write. Yeah, right. But he didn't want to write. He didn't like writing. And by the way, he's one of the most genius filmmakers I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Why start a blog when you have this talent and, and a skill set? I say, you know, we, we differentiate talent from skill. Talent, he was born with some sort of eye for something, but his skill he's developed over the last decade. Yeah. And you go back and look at some of the silly fo- videos he made a decade ago, it's completely different from what he's doing right now. He's developed the skills over time. The same is true for anyone. If you haven't developed the skill yet, you might have some sort of inborn talent to write but you're going to be a terrible writer at first and that's okay you can still put it out there in the world if you're trying to add value to someone's life ultimately what you're going to want to do is help people solve their problems and the question for you is which medium should you use to help people solve their problems yeah it's kind of this question i kind of look at it's like well what's better audio book or the book book mm-hmm. and like for me it's audio if you ask colin Wright, he could read faster than someone could read it to him Sure. It's it's yeah that's it's not it's not binary like that. Uh, my my short answer would be this: seek different opinions and points of view to make a decision for yourself. And that's really, I think that's key, especially in today's world. I mean, at the end of every podcast, what do I say? Read more, get informed. Yeah. It's because we have to make decisions for ourselves. We're relying on one media outlet uh, or one form of media to give us all of our information. I mean, we're kind of doing ourselves an injustice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, y'all. It looks like we have several more surprise questions this week. TK, this is going to get fun. Uh, we got some questions about accidentally offending people. Mm. We talked a little about this a little bit at, at lunch the other day, and I, we, you said, "Hey, save that for the podcast." Um, <laughs> we have yeah, co- you, you were just dropping like a lot of dimes at lunch, and I was like, "Stop talking! We're not recording." <laughs> Wasting well, good combo. We have another question here about balancing well-being with building a new business. A question about product. Uh, a question about productive disagreements, communication, and listening. Also, this is uh, this is where it gets juicy. TK, religion, politics, sex, race relations, abortion, pineapple on pizza, and what's the correct way to put? A roll of toilet paper on the dispenser. Oh, well, that last one is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have some thoughts on this. And I, let me tell you this right now. Uh-huh. It's not the way that Rebecca does it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, all I'll say is, is if, if you Google patent for toilet paper roll, it's right there in like the original patent for the toilet paper roll. Oh. There is a, there is a correct way that's patented on how it should work. I assure you, no matter how what it says there, it's not the way that Rebecca does it. <laughs> I can promise you. We're going to talk about that. And if you want to hear all of that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode, but each week Ryan and I record an entirely different long-form Maximal episode on the Minimalist's private podcast, which gives us the private space we need to talk about topics we don't usually discuss in public. Boy, did we talk about some topics this week that we don't talk about in public. It was good times. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can't believe you took your shirt off during that. (laughs) Well, I was so angry at TK. He was trying to come at me. (laughs) It turned to fisticuffs. And that's why I was bleeding. I was literally bleeding during that. But 
That was unrelated, actually. All right, plus Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement-free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast on Patreon, you'll also receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. You'll also get access to our entire back catalog of more than 100 private podcast episodes. Find all the details and all the good stuff, including an additional private podcast episode every week over at theminimalists.com slash support. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Being informed is more important than ever these days. So I want to encourage people to read more and get informed. And now here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hello, I'm Justina from Baltimore. I often hear the question about how to get your spouse involved. So I wanted to share my story. My boyfriend and I have been living together since November of 2006. And I found minimalism in 2018. After that time, I made the effort to really go through my belongings and figure out what was actually valuable. While bagging up items for goodwill, he told me how proud he was of me for decluttering and finally getting rid of my storage unit. I thanked him and told him how I only wish I made the time to do it sooner. Then I told him if he wanted to go through his items, I could wait to go to Goodwill tomorrow. You know, this was my moment to finally talk to him about minimalism and asking him to get rid of his stuff. And he looked at me blankly and said, what stuff would I get rid of? I don't really have any stuff. Uh, Choking back my frustration, I asked him, what did he mean? And he responded to me by, when you moved in, I gave up a lot of stuff to make room for you. I let go of some things I thought were really important and even some of my father's belongings. Your place was a lot bigger and cheaper and you gave that up to make me feel more comfortable and for my happiness. So most of the things I have now either have a lot of value or you gave me as a gift. And I looked around and I noticed most of the stuff in our place was my own. And if I ever moved out, it would be really empty. So my point being is to look around your place. Is it really his stuff in the way or is it your clutter? Is it your decorations and your mementos making you feel claustrophobic? Would would the place you share ever be empty if you left? My other idea is to ask your spouse the dust. My boyfriend always gets sidetracked and starts going through his stuff while trying to dust everything. So even though he doesn't have much to get rid of, at least he still actively goes through and cleans his own belongings. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Michelle from West Lafayette, Indiana. I just wanted to leave a comment regarding the digital clutter episode, episode 173, which was awesome, by the way. There was a question about feeling guilt when taking people off social media, unfriending, unfollowing, or what have you. Once in a blue moon, I take a radical approach and delete my profile altogether. Now, I realize this won't be everyone's favorite idea. However, I've realized over time that the people who matter most to me will friend me again or vice versa. It's also nice to take what I consider a deep breath or maybe even a detox from that particular social media site. Again, I realize that this is not everyone's cup of tea, but it might be worth considering. 
All right, y'all. Thanks again to T.K. Coleman for joining us today. Make sure you check out his podcast, Office Hours. Find all of his wonderful writings over at tkcoleman.com. And real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Ryan and I often give talks at different universities, organizations, corporations, and conferences such as Harvard, Apple, Google, Allstate, SAP, and many other organizations. In fact, we'll be in, in Miami in June. Uh, hanging out, giving a, a talk about less. Sometimes we talk about simple work. We talk about living simply. We talk about what it means to live a meaningful life with less. We we usually only take on about one speaking gig per quarter so we can give it the time that it deserves. Also, I hate traveling, so we never take on more than one a month. Uh, and so uh, if you're interested in hiring The Minimalist to speak at your organization or event, you can head on over to theminimalists.com slash speaking. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash The Minimalist. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week. And for our added value this week, let's listen to John Mayer's new single. Have you heard this one, Ryan? I haven't. I'm, I'm, I hate I'm, singles. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not put out an album. It's called I Guess I Just Feel Like. Because I, I think we've all sort of felt this way at some point. Uh, it's, it's almost like being fed up with disagreements. And it, to me, it was an honest reflection on what disagreements sometimes do to our lives. Sometimes the disagreements in our lives, they get the best of us and they mm. put us in this this uh, this feeling. And I think this song captures that. And if y'all leave here today... with that musical choice. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. I guess I just feel like I guess I just feel like Nobody's honest Nobody's true Everyone's lying To make it on through I guess I just feel like I'm the same way too I guess I just feel